The New York Football Podcast is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. It's not just sporting events either. You can go to Broadway shows here in New York. You can go to all sorts of musical events. All that sort of thing, and it's the holidays. So, for instance, Radio City Rockettes. Everybody loves to go to that show, right? Tickets for just $42 right now. And the easiest thing, two-tap checkout. How easy is that? Tap the phone twice, and you're on your way to your favorite sporting event, concert, or show on Broadway. As I said, the Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. You're listening to the New York Football Podcast with Tim McMaster and Dan Duggan. Eli throwing into traffic on the sideline. They had a catch by Manningham. And the New York Giants, given the last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. Sanchez on second and 17. Hit by Jason Pierre-Paul, the ball comes loose, and the Giants have recovered. Late play, Manning, throw, touchdown, Victor Cruz. And Manning's going to heave one, there's, oh, there's a flag, Beckham, one-handed catch, how in the world? Oh my goodness. I mean, he is insane, how do you make that catch? Oh my goodness. Hey everybody, welcome into a very special edition of the New York Football Podcast. It's the All-Decade Team, the best lineup we could put together from the 2010s for the New York Giants. Tim McMaster here along with Dan Duggan. Uh, This is happening across the Athletic Podcast Network uh, and the written word as well as you get All-Decade Teams all over the site, the app, uh, and you can listen to them as well for all the different teams that we have podcasts for. Uh, Dan, it's interesting going through this. Obviously, the Giants won a Super Bowl in the 2010s. That team went 9-7. and seven. It's the only team that actually won the division in the entire decade. You put this together. Um, I mean, it, it, in the, all the decades of the New York Giants, the 2010s are not going to stand out as a, as a favorite for anyone, I don't think. Yeah, no, it was kind of eye-opening to do this. I mean, we're all aware of how this franchise has kind of fallen on hard times. But really, once you get past 2011, I mean, listen, any decade you have a Super Bowl win, that's you know, generally considered a good decade. But that was kind of the one shining moment. Uh, it's really been all downhill since then. And even trying to put this team together, I think a lot of fans will, will see some of the names that aren't on the list and, and probably be surprised. But it's like if this was the list from you know 2005 to now, you'd have a lot more guys to choose from. But a lot of the guys who were there in key parts of that uh, 07 team either didn't even make it to this decade or their run was very brief into this decade. So I felt like it really it was hard to give a guy – uh, a spot if he's only here for like one or two years this decade but I had to in some position was so thin that I had no other choice but um, yeah like I said very kind of sobering look sort of explains you know the, the state of this franchise and why there's been so many changes because there just hasn't been a heck of a lot of talent uh, you know rolling through these rosters year in and year out. Yeah, they've only had four winning records in the decade, and that was pretty much all at the beginning, 2010, 2011, 2012, and then uh, 2016, they went 11-5 and five in that 
random kind of pop-up season there. And they only made the playoffs the twice, the, the Super Bowl win in 2011 and then that 2016 team losing the wild card game with Ben McAdoo in charge. So it's been a rough decade, but there have been some great players along the way. So we're going to focus in on them and and we'll talk about which positions were tough to calls and which ones were kind of easy. I think we're going to start with an easy one, uh, Dan, and, and we might as well start at, at quarterback. Um you obviously have only really two starting quarterbacks to talk about, and one of them is a rookie right now. The other one's Eli Manning. Yeah, and, and Geno Smith, you know, he gets honorable mention. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Eli obviously kind of has this one by default. I mean, he started 143 of the, you know, 154, 155 uh, games this decade. So that's that's a pretty strong stranglehold in that position. Obviously, uh, had a Super Bowl MVP during this decade, you know, a couple Pro Bowl selections. So, uh, this was by far the easiest one, and it's sort of fitting that Eli kind of leads it off here because he's, you know, his Giants tenure is gonna, you know, run out as this decade does. So, uh, you know, the 2020s will all be about Daniel Jones. The Giants are hoping, you know, we're sitting here doing this all-decade team in 10 years, and, and he's the slam dunk choice. But um, certainly, Eli, uh, easy choice uh, for to start this category. Yeah, no brainer there. Um, and then, so then you move to running back. We'll start with the offense, then we'll move on to the defense here in the second half. We'll do special teams as well. We're going to get through the uh, the entire thing as well, and we'll I'll even put you on the spot and make your name a head coach uh, for the decade also. But running back, I mean Saquon Barkley is the running back right now. But Dan, you're going a different direction. Yeah, and I know this is where you know it's kind of in the eye of the beholder. I didn't make this list like who was the most talented giant of the decade because I mean Saquon Bar- Barkley, arguably the most talented you know player to put on a Giants uniform in the last ten years. But it's more you know what you did in this decade. So obviously Saquon has a pretty big handicap in the sense that he's only you know one and a half seasons into his tenure. That's all he has uh, you know to put on uh, his resume for this decade. But I looked at Ahmad Bradshaw, and and really his numbers stack up even pretty well compared to Saquon's. I mean, again, not at that level, but he had 2,000-yard seasons at the start of the decade. And sandwiched in between that was he led the team in rushing when he was splitting carries with Brandon Jacobs. And that, of course, was the Super Bowl year where the run game you know, wasn't great all season, but you know hit his stride late. You know, he had a good performance in the Super Bowl. Obviously, he had sort of one of the weirdest Super Bowl touchdowns of all time where he scored one he kind of didn't want to score. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it goes as a Super Bowl touchdown uh, in his category there. Um, yeah, so, I mean, listen, if, if there was three more years in this decade, I, I'm very confident that Saquon Barkley would surpass him. But if we're strictly going by, you know, what happened in this decade, um, you know, Ahmad Bradshaw just, you know, had a little bit more to work with. And, again, that, you know, that Super Bowl is going to be the tiebreaker in, in pretty much all of these. If you're on that team and you were, you know, comparable to a guy who was on a team that lost, you know, 70% of the games, uh, you're going to get the nod. And, and again, I just thought Bradshaw's almost a guy who seemed a little underappreciated when you look back. And I said, you know, I had a couple thousand yard seasons. So uh, I gave him the edge over Saquon. We don't make the years. We just judge the decade. So it's, it's not <laughs> on us. Saquon Barkley's just a, he's just a little too young for the 2010s, but certainly another guy that's, that's primed along with Daniel Jones. Uh, if all goes well to be the running back for the 2020s all-decade Giants team, which we'll be bringing to you in about 10 years here on the uh, on the <laughs> Athletic. All right, you can obviously go with different formations when you're putting together an all-decade team. Um, you know, years ago, you probably would have had a running back and a fullback. Um, but for this, we're going to go with three wide receivers and a three wide receiver set. So let's go there next. And it's a pretty good grouping to, to pick from here, Dan. Yeah. So apologies to Henry Hynoski for leaving out the fullbacks, but you know, <laughs> he's, he's in our hearts. Uh, but you know, wide receiver, probably the best position group. Um, not necessarily even the, the decision weren't that hard. I feel like the top three guys, 
stood out kind of head and shoulders. But, I mean, three, you know, very accomplished guys. I mean, obviously Odell Beckham Jr., however things ended. I mean, his first three seasons, you know, probably the three best seasons, you know, in Giants history uh, when you add those all up. And he was, you know, producing on a historic level. Um, he still, you know, ranks in, in some of the career leaderboards for Giants receivers and, you know, the top 10, whatever it may be, for a guy who only really played, you know, four seasons and some change uh, here. So he was a slam dunk. Um, you know, Victor Cruz, you know, you could probably say he's the best story of the decade for the Giants when you think about his path from, you know, being an undrafted free agent from Patterson and just exploded onto the scene. Of course, that 2011 season, you know, it's just really a magical run for the team, magical run for, for Cruz. Um, you know, he's another guy like the, the story of these wide receivers will be, though, like so many of their their tenures got cut short by injuries or other factors. And it's sort of like this, you know, what could have been because, you know, Cruz, obviously um, the, the knee injury and the calf injuries, he never was able to really fully realize his potential. But still, he was kind of like a shooting star there on uh, the, the early part of the decade was, was really a bright spot. And then the other guy was Hakeem Nix. Sort of another guy who really peaked early and then, you know, kind of fell off really fast. But, you know, definitely, uh, you know, was super productive early in the decade. You know, on that 2011 team, was a 1,000-yard guy. Um, was great in that playoff run, too. So, that that again, that's sort of the tiebreaker or the thing that gives guys a push over the edge. I mean, he was, you know, really great during that 2011 playoff run. So, I mean, those three guys, to me, uh, that's probably as strong a position group uh, as we've been able to put together on this roster. And, you know, really not a lot of debate. I didn't think those three guys were kind of head and shoulders above, you know, anybody else uh, in, in this comparison. Yeah, because when you think down after them on the list, it's it's guys like Mario Manningham and, and Sterling Shepard on the current team and, and guys like that. So I think, uh, yeah, that's a fair bet and, and kind of a clean cutoff after those three. Um, so that brings us to tight end. Um, so you have like Kevin Boss played a lot of tight end, Martellus Bennett briefly, and then now is the Evan Engram era, um, as frustrating as it may be, and that's where you went. Yeah, I mean, this was, you know, sort of an impossible one because they basically just had a revolving door at tight end since the start of the decade. Because Kevin Boss is probably one of those guys I think Giants fans will think was around longer in this decade. 2010 was his last season as a Giant, so he wasn't even here for the second Super Bowl. Um, but they just... They just rotated through guys. You know, I'll probably leave somebody out or put someone in the wrong decade. But I think it was like Bear Pasco and Jake Ballard and Martellus Bennett, and Will Ty, Larry Donnell. I mean, all of these guys had their moments, but it was like basically a one-year run for all of them as the top tight end uh, on the roster. And then they just kind of cycled in and out just as fast as they came. So listen, Evan Ingram has uh, you know been a disappointment. I think, especially you know at this point right now where. He's been battling injuries again this season. I think Giants fans are not feeling that great about him, but it's just sort of when you look at the other options and what Engram has produced, you know, even through the injuries, he's done more on the field this season. And, and there just wasn't a guy from that 2011 season or from the, the early you know 2010s who stood out because it was just, like I said, it was a different guy every year. And Engram, and I mean, even just his, his rookie year, that was the most productive season of any tight end in this decade. And so granted, the last two years haven't been quite up to that standard, but I, you know, I just kind of by default. I mean, he's been here for three years, which is more than most of these tight ends can say, and has been fairly productive, you know, in each of those seasons. 
Yep, that, that makes sense. And and hopefully, you know, he continues to build on this. So when we look back on this, it's like, oh, yeah, that was when he got going there was in the 2010s. Mm-hmm. And then, then Evan Ingram became a great tight end from that point on. All right, time to get down to the line. Uh, we'll do tackles, guards, and, and the center. Um, these are the guys that were responsible for, for protecting Eli Manning over all these years. Um, let's start on the outside, work our way down to the middle with the offensive tackles first, Dan. And you got, obviously, two tackles, two guards in the center here. Yeah, and I mean, when you start putting this together and you start to, you know, trace why this franchise has, you know, deteriorated to the point it has <laughs> this decade, it really starts here. I mean, there was, there, I don't think there was really an easy call. Well, I guess I'll get to right guard. That was a pretty easy call, but I was scraping to try and come up with some of these spots, which is, you know, not a good sign when you have 10 years to to comb through and really nobody emerges at four out of the five positions. That's that's not great. Um, so I went with Will Beatty at left tackle. He's another guy where I think, you know, probably if you look back as a, as a second round pick, you know, his career was probably a disappointment. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he was like a serviceable starter for four seasons, which I feel like is more than you can say for any other left tackle. I mean, we all know the disaster of the Eric Flowers era and you know, Nate Solder hasn't been very good. Uh, I mean, I know a guy like David Deal, you know, stepped in there at times, especially, you know, during that 2011 Super Bowl run. But I feel like he played you know, too many other positions, but not really the left tackle. So I felt like at least BD, you know, played that position consistently. So I gave him the nod, but don't feel great about it. And then, you know, right tackle, probably even in, in worse shape this decade than left tackle, which again is saying something. Um, I went with Kareem McKenzie. He's definitely one of those guys who fits in the category of more on that, you know, late 2000s team that you'd feel very good about his spot there. I mean, he only played his last game was the 2011, you know, the Super Bowl. So didn't go very deep into this decade. But, man, I don't know who else you would choose. Again, because Deal spent a little bit of time there. Justin Pugh spent a little bit of time there. Uh, but, they again, they were kind of just patched in there, whereas at least McKenzie was the starter, you know, during that Super Bowl year. But again, those two tackle spots explain, you know, uh, our big reason why this franchise and this offense really went down the drains, uh, at least in the second half of this decade. Um, you know, moving inside, like I said, right guard was probably the only – you know, legitimate all-decade type guy. That was Chris Snee. He's another guy who didn't play particularly deep into the 2010s. Um, but, you know, he was, you know, a pro bowler in, in 2010, 2012. So, I mean, he still had some very productive years early in the decade. Um, was obviously there for the Super Bowl in 2011. You know, was really one of the, you know, best offensive linemen this franchise has, you know, ever had. and was just a super reliable guy. Um, so, even though his run didn't go that deep into the 2010s, I mean, he was definitely a, an easy choice there. Uh, left guard, another spot where it was really kind of slim pickings. Uh, I went with Kevin Booth. Um, and he he kind of gets the nod because he did step in that 2011 Super Bowl run when after Deal had shifted to left tackle. Uh, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of other options. I keep saying this for every position. I mean, Justin Pugh spent you know a decent amount of left guard. Uh, you know, he was solid, but he you know he moved around a little bit. At least again, a, a tie goes to the Super Bowl, and and so Booth gets that spot. And then center was, again, kind of a wasteland. Uh, I went with David Bass. Uh, he started 30 games from 2011 to 13. He was there for the Super Bowl run. I guess the only other option really would be Western Richburg, but you know he was really sort of a disappointment here where he showed some some glimmer of hope early in his uh, Giants career, but then you know, injuries, and then they, you know he obviously left him free agency a couple of years ago. So not really a strong position so again you go across the board there and it was tough to uh to come up with five guys i'm glad i didn't overextend myself and say i was going to do it too deep for the decade because man it would get it would get really ugly so those were the five guys i settled on and uh 
you know, I don't know, people can argue, you know, a guy here or there, but there just wasn't a lot of uh, great options. It is interesting the movement you get as far as offensive line play, where you have Pew and Deal who played a tackle, also played guard, and yeah, it's it's been a struggle. I mean, Nate Solder was the guy that they threw the money at and was supposed to kind of fix those problems at the left tackle spot, and and he's been such a disappointment here as well, and, and we've seen that the the second line here this year has been bad too. So it's tough on the offensive line. Um, let's switch over to the defense, and we'll start up front with the defensive line and then kind of work our way back to the secondary. Uh, so starting with the defensive tackles, you get two here. Yeah, uh, and this was a pretty solid group. Neither guy was here for a particularly long time, but I went with uh, Linval Joseph and Damon Harrison. Um, you know, I feel like both of those guys you know, had really strong runs, but again, they, they weren't here uh, terribly long. You know, Joseph was you know here early in the decade and then has gone on to Minnesota and you know has had you know even a better career you know once he landed there but I, I feel like he definitely um, you know was a second round pick and, and lived up to that so I, I felt you know pretty good about giving him one of the spots uh, you know he's there for the Super Bowl so that again always counts in guys' favor and then you know Snacks uh, was a very brief time it was really like two and a half years he got traded midway through last season but I mean he he was the guy in that 2016 you know free agent spending spree really lived up to it at least those first couple of years i mean he was billed as this you know great run stuffer and he was you know pretty much hands down the best in the league as far as uh, interior defensive linemen um the, the defense was great that first season the one season they did get to the playoffs you know in the last half decade and, and he was right in the middle of that and even as the team kind of went went off the rails in 2017 you know he still was playing at a high level based on all the you know pro football focus metrics and you know just his kind of raw tackle stats so um, he was a really good player and, and beyond that, I think, you know, there wasn't anybody else close to those two guys level. So felt, felt pretty good about them. Uh, and then defensive end, I went with a four, three here. Cause I'm sure a lot of Giants fans, you know, want to go back to that anyways. But I feel like that's <laughs> well, and defensive ends is the one spot where you can kind of say, all right, the, these guys were a force on the way to a Super Bowl at least. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and this is a, you know, a spot where there was actually, some competition and, and probably, you know, as wide receiver is probably the best position on offense is probably the best position on defense. And I think people might be a little surprised. So I'll explain my picks here. Uh, the, well, first of all, I'll say the toughest cut from this entire project was OCU Minura. I think people would expect to see him on. Um, but, you know, I went with Jason Pierre-Paul and Justin Tuck. And I, I think people will say like JPP, like he wasn't at the level of Tuck and OC, but if we're talking just this decade, I mean, JPP was a beast, um, and, and he did it longer because both of those guys, Tuck and Osi, were sort of towards the end of their run at the start of this decade. Um, you know, whereas JPP obviously is, you know, the Super Bowl year, his second season, he had 16 and a half sacks, and he led them in the sacks three more times. Uh, you know, he had a 12 and a half sack season in 2014. Now, listen, his career had all sorts of highs and lows. I mean, obviously, everyone knows about the fireworks accident. But even that, he, you know, he came back and was still a you know productive player. And, you know, until they traded him away last year. But, um, you know, he by far had the most sacks you know, of any giant, you know, during this decade. So while his career is sort of like those wide receivers where, like, it feels like it probably could have been even better, especially after the start it got off to. I mean, he was, uh, you know, a force uh, in this decade. And then, you know, Tuck, you know, he, he had a very strong start to the decade. Uh, you know, was an all-pro, or I think it was second-team all-pro in 2010. And then even 2011, his, you know, individual production, you know, wasn't at that level. And then all of a sudden, he turned it back on in the NFC Championship game, Super Bowl. I mean, he was a guy who certainly stepped it up, you know, on, on the biggest stage. Had, you know, two great performances in Super Bowls. And then he was, you know, he had a, a great 2013 season before, you know, the Giants didn't really make a – a strong offer to keep him and, and he left for the Raiders. But, you know, I feel like those two guys had the edge over OC because 
you know, obviously he didn't have, you know, the sustained production during this decade that JPP did. And then Tuck gets the nod just because, I mean, you know, OC was great in those playoff runs too, but, you know, Tuck in the Super Bowl just kind of took it to another level. So, uh, like I said, OC is probably the toughest cut, but I think if you really look at both guys that I have over him, uh, I, I don't think there's too much argument. Because, again, I think JVP is probably one of the more underappreciated Giants of this decade. If you really look at his production and what he did, I mean, he, he definitely deserves a spot. Yeah, both those guys played in Pro Bowls in the decade as well. All right, so we moved to linebacker, and we talked about how bad the offensive line was as far as a black hole and in this decade for the franchise. The linebacking core, not great either, Dan. (laughs) No, I mean, linebacker, probably worse than offensive line, if that's even possible, because at least (laughs) offensive line, you had a guy like Snead to hang your hat on. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, middle linebacker, I went with Chase Blackburn, who was mostly a special teamer. I mean, so, I mean, middle linebacker, Maybe that versus right tackle for like worst Giants position of the decade because that's another spot where like tight end they they cycled guys through but it wasn't even like tight end where at least you'd have a guy you know pop out every now and then with a with a great season like Martellus Bennett or whoever so uh, yeah it was it was slim pickings there uh, you know Blackburn I kind of gave him the nod because he had you know 98 tackles and three sacks in 2012 basically one good season at middle linebacker but that was kind of more than you could say for most of the other guys you know who played there because it's really a rough list of guys who played middle linebacker for the Giants this decade. So went went with Blackburn. Then the outside linebacker spots, again, just been a glaring weakness, and it's really hard for a franchise that, you know, obviously had Lawrence Taylor, and, and they just, you know, have just totally neglected the outside linebacker for the past, you know, 30-some-odd years. Uh, I went with Michael Boley and Matthias Kiwanuka. Don't feel, you know, great about either one of those spots, but, you know, Bowley wasn't much of a pass rusher, but he, he definitely was a guy who, you know, racked up tackles. He averaged 90 tackles over the, the first three seasons of the decade, you know, was on the Super Bowl team in 2011. So I felt like, you know, that warranted the spot for him. And Kiwanuka was a guy who split time between DN and linebacker. So I'm almost fudging it just to get a, you know, a guy who was a decent player on, on the roster because I don't know who he'd go to after him. But, um, you know, he was you know very productive in that 2011 Super Bowl season. Um, you know, he had 19 sacks uh, in, in the decade, so he was a little bit of a, a pass rusher. Again, I'm sure some of those came at DN, but I'm, I'm stretching here a little bit to try to just get um, you know some decent linebackers because it was just, like I said, a really, really thin position. Um, and again, it just kind of keeps coming back to why this franchise is in the state that it's in right now. Yeah, I mean, in so many, in the history of the Giants, just so many great linebackers. I mean, Antonio Pierce finished up in 2009, so he just missed. But, I mean, this is the franchise of Lawrence Taylor and Harry Carson and Carl Banks and all these guys, and it's just been it's been a drought, and it's telling, and that's a, that's a rough grouping. All right, let's move into the secondary now. Start on the ends, then we'll go to the, the safeties. How about cornerback? Who do you like there? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Corey Webster was, uh, you know, a pretty easy choice. But again, he's another one of these guys who, you know, sort of bridged the two decades and, you know, it didn't go very deep into the 2010s. But he was still very productive, you know, early in the decade. He had, you know, 14 interceptions uh, from 2010 to 2012. Uh, Injuries kind of ended his career a little early, but I feel pretty good about putting him on here. The other spot, I had a competition between two more modern guys. So you don't have any, you know, Super Bowl tiebreakers or anything. And I went back and forth. And I actually gave Dominic Rogers Camardi the nod over Norris Jenkins. Like, I'll say, like, Jenkins' 2016 season was better than any single season uh, DRC had with the Giants. But Jen- that was kind of it for Jenkins. I mean, he really popped that first year. And then he's been pretty inconsistent the last couple of seasons. Whereas with DRC, you know, he got it. He earned a Pro Bowl in 2015, 
Then in 2016, he was second team all pro. And, and I gave him the nod, especially because he was the one who was willing to move inside to slot corner, you know, play out of position to accommodate Eli Apple, which was not an easy pill to swallow. And he, you know, has six interceptions that season. And of course that was, um, you know, the big season for the defense and for this franchise. Um, so I gave DRC just a slight nod just because he was a little bit more consistent. Uh, but that's a spot that really kind of didn't have, you know, had a pretty big drop off. Like I said, I feel pretty good with Webster. But then, you know, DRC and Jenkins uh, both have pretty flawed resumes. But I, I gave DRC the nod. All right. And the safety's um, a little better a little better and easier to, to call here. There's not really much debate when you look at a free safety and a strong safety. Yeah, no, actually, as I think about this, this is probably there's probably three groups you feel like like was championship level during yeah. this decade, and you know Eli's his own category. We'll get into that because there's no debate there, at least. But uh, you know, wide receiver, defensive ends, and safeties. I mean, they're, they're really quality guys at those positions where it wasn't like I was scraping together to to try and find two names or whatever. Uh, you know, I'll start with free safety, Antrell Roll. Like he came in in 2010 and just kind of like quickly became like the the heartbeat of the team. You know, anyone who was around those teams at that time, they always tell you that that he was just like the emotional leader. And obviously on the field, he backed it up, which, you know, is, is clearly, uh, you know, an important aspect of things. If you're going to be a leader, but you know, he didn't miss a start in five years, you know, average 93 tackles, uh, you know, it was a pro bowl or two years, you know, six picks in 2013. I'm not going to read his resume, but just like he was a, a really productive player, big piece of that Super Bowl run and really another spot where they have not been able to find a suitable replacement. You know, we're going on six, seven years since he last suited up and they still just kind of can't find a guy to fill that void. And then the other guy is Landon Collins, who I think, you know, listen, I know there's a lot of bad blood and a lot of Giants fans, you know, don't look back fondly on, on Landon Collins. But I think over time, he'll be a guy who kind of fits in that JVP category of what I was talking about as far as like underappreciated. Because, I mean, if you just look at the raw production he had in his four years and you're talking about a second round pick, I mean, he led the team in tackles every year, three time pro bowler. And then, I mean, his 2016 season will go down as one of the best giant seasons by a defensive player in a long time. I mean, you have to go back, you know, pretty far. I don't know, the Strahan days, or maybe maybe I'm missing somebody between Strahan. But, I mean, to finish third in the defensive player of the year voting, you know, had the tackles, interceptions, sacks. I mean, he just kind of did everything that season. So, uh, I think if you were starting a, a secondary with, you know, Antrell Roll in center field and, and Landon Collins a strong safety that they'd be in pretty good shape. And, and that was probably the biggest problem with Landon's career. He never had an Antrell Roll. And uh, that's probably what, you know, held him back a bit. And of course, like I said, it, it kind of ended on bad terms with him leaving to go to Washington. But if you just look back at the guys who have, you know, played that spot this decade, uh, he's hands down the choice of strong safety. All right, we're not going to end things with just the offense and defense. We're moving over to special teams as well. We're going to have a punter, kicker, and then a return man for each two. So let's start with the punting. Um, I mean, Steve Weatherford did it the longest. Is he your pick? Yeah, and that, you know, we can't get too in-depth on the uh, punter analysis. So, yeah, like you said, Weatherford did it the longest. <laughs> he was there the Super Bowl year. So, yeah, he got the nod. And then kicker, you're going with Lawrence Tyne. I mean, you have Rose Sauce now. Uh, Josh Brown was actually a pro bowler. Uh, but then there's Lawrence Tynes. Yeah, I went with Tynes. Uh, you know, Brown, I mean, he was really good. He was really uh, accurate. I think it's like 91.7% on his field goals with the Giants, which if you did that over your career, would have been the best mark in NFL history. But you, we can't ignore the way his tenure ended. It was obviously very messy with the domestic uh, violence allegations and everything. And, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to like go too deep off the path, but, like, if there was nobody else who was even close, then I, you know, you have to still recognize what the guy did in the field. But you know, I feel like Tynes was was definitely 
uh, a productive kicker early in the decade. I mean, he let he was I think he was second in the league in scoring in 2012. Um, you know, had the game-winning kick in the NSV Championship game in 2011. You know, was there obviously for uh, a Super Bowl win there in 2011 this decade. So, um, you know, if Brown had done it longer, or if there was nobody else that you know, I'd kind of like hold your nose and give it to him. But I feel a little better about Tynes, you know, representing this team just based on how things kind of uh, unraveled at the end of Brown's tenure. Yeah, that's fair, certainly. Um, all right, then on the kicking uh, return side, a uh, kickoff return first. Uh, I went with David Wilson again. Kicker return, another position that really didn't have a heck of a lot of uh, great options. You know, he was it was brief, but he was very dynamic. Um, you know, he led the NFL in, in kick return yards in 2012. He had a 97-yard touchdown. I mean, he's another one of these guys you put in the what-if pile because um, you know, he really showed some potential. That let alone as a kick return, you know, might have been um, you know productive running back. Of course, the neck injuries cut his career short, but. Uh, just looking at some of the other options, I felt like he at least at his peak was was better than anyone else they had in this decade. And then punt returner. Yeah, I mean, uh, another spot that's not going to blow you away. I went with Dwayne Harris, who wasn't here very long. I mean, he made the Pro Bowl in 2016, but that was actually more for his work as a gunner. It wasn't even as a returner, but so he was, you know, a good special teamer. Uh, he was productive in 2015 as a punt returner, so uh, I gave him the nod. But again, I mean, you could certainly probably find a guy to make a case for, but. Um, you know, like a lot of the other spots, just not a ton of great options, you know, popping out at punt returner. All right. And then we, we need a coach for this team as well. We're not going to go coordinators or anything like that, but Dan, I want at least a head coach. I guess it's not really a, a big debate here. You have Shermer now, McAdoo a couple years, but really it was Tom Coughlin for the majority of the decade and the Super Bowl team. And, and obviously so much before the decade started also. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Coughlin sort of fits into that category with all these guys where if you're talking about his entire giant tenure, it's, it's a really easy call. But, I mean, if you, if you compare him to his his successors, it's still a very easy call because, uh, you know, some of the, the bad days of Tom Coughlin, I think people would welcome at this point because you know, the <laughs> franchise has gotten so far off the rails. So, yeah, you, you win a Super Bowl, you have a couple of winning records. That's a bar that, you know, Ben McAdoo and Pat Schirmer haven't even come close to touching. So uh, pretty, pretty much a slam dunk there for, for Tom Coughlin. All right, this has been a lot of fun. So let's go back through this real quick uh, and and list out the roster. Quarterback is Eli Manning, no-brainer there. Running back, Ahmad Bradshaw. Receivers, Odell Beckham Jr., Victor Cruz, and Akeem Nix. Tight end is Evan Ingram. The the, uh, tackles are Kareem McKenzie and Will Beatty. Uh, Guards, Chris Snee and Kevin Booth. And the center, David Bass. And then on defense, the tackles, Linval Joseph and Damon Harrison. Uh, The ends, Justin Tuck and Jason Pierre-Paul. Linebacking crew, it's rough. Michael Boley and Matthias Kiwanuka. And then you have Chase Blackburn at the middle spot. Uh, safeties, Antrell Roll, the free safety. Landon Collins, the strong safety. Uh, corners are Dominique Rogers-Cromartie and Corey Webster. And then Steve Weatherford doing the punting. Lawrence Tynes, the kicking. And your return men are David Wilson and Dwayne Harris. Uh, Dan, if you took this all-decade team and you think about all the other all-decade teams for other franchises... I mean, it's it's not going to be a Super Bowl contender. Is it middle of the pack, or is it worse than that? If you if you know the Giants' best, even though the teams weren't great, their best versus other franchises' bests. Yeah, no, it's kind of funny as you were reading through those names. I was thinking to myself, like, you know, there's always that debate that comes up like every November. Could Alabama beat the Browns or whatever? It's like <laughs> yes. did that team even beat like you know I don't even know. I mean, there's not that one team this year. Maybe the the Ravens or the Patriots because man, it's not a great great team. Period. I mean, granted they. They were able to catch lightning in a bottle in 2011 with a lot of those guys. So certainly, uh, you can't you can't say they wouldn't have been able to uh, to make a run. But 
I would have to think if, you know, we're doing this across the platforms, I would think there's uh, a lot more interesting all-decade teams. You know, I'd like to be interested to see, you know, the Patriots come up with and, uh, and some of these other teams that have been able to have a little more sustained success uh, during this decade. Because pretty much you're talking about the 2011 Giants plus like Odell Beckham Jr. So uh, that would be a good team, but definitely uh, not, a, not a banner decade despite the uh, Super Bowl that got things started off on the right foot. Yeah, I feel like the Patriots is maybe the most fascinating just because they've had the sustained success, but then Belichick turns that roster over so much that there's just so many options to pick from that that is uh, uh, I don't envy those guys for having to go in and put that team together because there's just a ton of options at, at different spots throughout the decade, except for quarterback. That That's the one spot that's uh, that's pretty safe. Um, all right, so we I mentioned it. We're doing it across all the different uh, platforms, so check it out. Check out all the other podcasts with the all-decade teams for other teams. Our national podcast will be putting together uh, full-sport all-decade teams, so the very best uh, football team, not just uh, Giants, but the whole NFL uh, on some of our national teams. So check those out as well. Uh, if you still want to be a subscriber to The Athletic, we're giving you this podcast for free, but if you want all of the New York football podcasts, you need to be a subscriber and you can save 40% right now. Go to theathletic.com slash the New York football podcast. Follow Dan on Twitter too at dduggan21 and you can uh, send him all your complaints for this all decade team. Thanks for tuning in to the New York football podcast. <laughs>